You're listening to The Girl Dad Show. Welcome to Season 3 of The Girl Dad Show, where we explore the intersection of parenthood and entrepreneurial spirit. Join me and some incredible guests as we share tips and tricks for finding work-life balance and making a positive impact not only on the world, but also our families. Let's create a fulfilling life together. It's The Girl Dad Show, Season 3. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. Today, I had Eric Liu on the show, and I'm so excited for you to finally get to meet Eric, who has really impacted and influenced my professional and business life uh, tremendously. Probably the most influential person I've met in my entire life, definitely in the top three. And I met him three years ago, and he has really embarked me on this journey of building businesses, building wealth, building financial freedom, creating the ability for me to, you know, have the opportunity to spend more time with my kids. And he is a business owner. He's an investor. He's an entrepreneur. But more than anything, he's just a really, really thoughtful human being. And his mindset and his philosophy has really made a huge impact on my journey as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. And I I just can't wait for you to hear the episode. It is such a good one. And he is so smart and so intentful and meaningful. And I know you'll get so much out of it. I hope you enjoyed the episode and the show. Like smiling so big right now. (laughs) It's because I'm so excited to have you on the show, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me on the Girl Dad Show today. I am so pumped to have Eric Liu, the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend on the show. It is so... Amazing to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited. <laughs> I um, Before I jump into the questions, because normally I just jump right in, but I have to preface by saying that um, it's really important for uh, me to tell everybody that you have probably made the most impact and influence in the trajectory of my life. Uh, I'd say you're at least in the top three people that have literally influenced and impacted me and the trajectory of my life. And so I just think it's so special that you are now also a dad and I get to interview you on the podcast about parenting and work because uh, you've made such an influence in my life. So um, for whatever that's worth, I just wanted to start by saying uh, it's your fault that I'm on this journey. Uh, A lot of the journeys. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) Well, now let's jump into it. Now that everyone knows why you're so cool to me and why I'm so excited to have you here. um, Why don't you tell the listeners what you do for a living? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, it is a good question, uh, especially yeah, given yeah. your circumstances. Yeah, especially, especially right now. <laughs> um, so if you had asked me this question uh, like two weeks ago and you were a stranger in the street, um, the answer would have been, oh, I have a bakery. Um, so I've spent the last couple of years working on a bakery. Uh, we make uh, kolaches um, in Chicago. Um, in the last week or so, we've come to a decision that we think we're like 90% there on uh, shutting down the operation. So mm-hmm. uh, young, even just last night, I was talking to you and I was like, yeah, I think we're done. Um, but yeah. this morning I came in and I was talking to Tom and um, I was like, all right, like, let's go. This is possibly our last catering order ever. Oh, wow. and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, we're doing it and like we're putting it together. He's like, I don't know, man, I'm wavering. Oh, really? um, <laughs> yeah, so, so that's like, <laughs> since, I like I talked to you 12 hours ago and that wasn't even on the table. And yeah. So yeah, so the, the the answer to the question what do I do? Um uh a complicated one. Um but overall like, you know, I I spent the last um like to give a 
probably a better answer for anyone else listening. I, you know, I spent the last decade or so just um, building small businesses. Um, so uh, before that, I was uh, uh, running a software company that does background checks and credit reports. So um, when you're about to move into a new apartment, you typically have to fill out a form, get your credit report, make sure you're not a criminal. Um, we wrote software that facilitates that. And we um, sell that primarily to uh, landlords, property managers, and uh, real estate agents. Um, I took a break. And then uh, during the pandemic, I started this bakery. Um, it's uh, not because I have a particular affinity for baking or anything, but I would say I just truly and genuinely enjoy the game of problem solving in business. And um, this uh, uh, particular affliction led me down this path. That's a really great explanation of what you do. Uh, it's so uh micro. It's so awesome that you just broke it down because if I was to explain to people what you do, I would say that you are a entrepreneur and a builder. Um, I would say that you are a, a very, very um, um, cerebral and you're a bit of a strategist, but you have a macro view of business building. And I'd say that it, it's like something that's really, really inspiring and, and really helped me um, kind of chase the dream that I'm chasing right now. And I'm not there yet, but um, I'm very close. And it's been really fun being on this journey because it, it's it's literally more doable for me. And the reason why I contribute so much of my success over the last three years is because I can literally use you as my target. And so I've, I've, I've told this to your face, but it's great to tell the listeners like why I've been on this journey of building all these businesses. And I have so many of my friends that, that tell me like, dude, your LinkedIn makes me tired. Or like, why do you always start all these new businesses? And I'm like, I, it, it doesn't have to make sense to you. It makes sense to me. But now I get to explain to everybody why I'm on this journey is because I'm trying to basically like mimic what I like about your lifestyle and the way that you think about business. And you're literally my target. And so for the last three years, all I've been trying to do is beat Eric in the things that I want to beat him at. And that's basically where I'm headed. And I'm, and what's really crazy is it's made it so much more possible because I've had a target. Does that make sense? And, 100%. uh, yeah. And so I'm really proud to say that like in March, you know, of next year, uh, if all my models prove correct, which I'm like 99% sure they will, um, wow. I will be what I what I admired you and, and saw in you three years ago when I first met you, and I will have achieved success of beating Eric in my own mind, right? What what I think Eric is, right, and what I wanted to beat you at, and um, it's it's like so fun to be able to share this out loud in a public forum because I've talked to you about it jokingly, but it, you mean more to me than you you can ever know. Uh, you've literally like shaped the direction of where I'm headed and what I'm doing and how I think about business and life. And so I'm super grateful. I'm super grateful to you. And I'm um, really grateful for like, I feel like I've gotten a lot of guidance out of you over the last three years. So it's been yeah. awesome for me. Well, it's funny that you say that because I feel like every time you talk to me and ask me for my advice, I'm always like, why are you doing that <laughs> like, like, you're supposed to be the one that's super cool. And then the more I got to know you, I'm like, you're not that smart. I'm like, why? I'm like, how come you're doing all these great, amazing things and you have all this great infrastructure and systems built, but like, you're actually like disappointing me the better I get to know you. <laughs> I love that. I remember when probably like shortly after we met the first time and you were like, you know, just like all in on the consulting path and all that. And That's then right. you were like, well, like Eric, you have these outcomes that I want in some dimension. Right. And yeah. you're like, but you're not even smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I remember that. It was so mean, but I couldn't like control my mouth. No, yeah. it's so great. Um, no, I and like I think the the uh, you know I mean something that you and I know, but other people don't know is that um, you know for when we met, I had kind of been on the same path for a very very long time, and like which was you know to put it nicely, I was like just screwing around and and sort of like reaping rewards, and that was great. Yeah. Um, and then I've kind of gone down this other path and, you know, I was definitely very multi-business. And so it's funny to hear you say like, oh, like, you know, Eric's the target I'm trying to hit because as you know, and I know, like I've become something of a moving target. And now I'm like, you know, go all in one thing only, like, like hyper-focus while like, you've spread out. And I've, we kind of have this like pendulum swing thing going on. And um, I, you have been super inspiring. And I told you this early days. I was like, oh, if you try to do this, you're going to get there in like six months. Yeah. It's taking me three years, but thank you for yeah. yeah thank you for now shattering my uh, my uh, projections of myself. <laughs> so, no, but yeah. In six months from now, you'll be there. That's or right. That's right. Yeah. Whatever. No, I'm teasing you. I don't mind. I don't mind the hard love, but I, I love it. that your expectations was six months. But it took me so long to figure it out, and like I'm like so close to basically having what you had, and it's so funny to watch you now do the opposite. Because like every time you ask me for feedback, I'm like, why don't you just go back to what, what you had? You have like these. I, I love the schema. Like you have multiple businesses that you've built up to, you know, multiples of seven figures, and then you're you're cash flowing off these businesses. And then the thought process was like, okay, so then after you have like a year or two, you basically take another one, you add another one to the roster with the expectation. I remember you even saying this the first time I met you, and I think you forgot that you even said it, but you have an expectation that one of your three or four, you know, horses in your stable will start to basically plateau or start to fall apart, whether that's market mm -hmm. conditions or the fact that it's not you as the founder driving it to like explosive growth. But needless to say, whether it's external or internal, you're expecting one or two of these to like start deteriorating after like three to five years. And so every three to five years, you're like, I think I need to start a new business so that I can keep adding to that mm -hmm. roster. And then I'll take a couple years off and then I, I'm going to work for a year and a half and then do another one, then add another one to the roster and, and so on and so forth. And that is literally, I'm like, that is so smart. That is so logical. And then fast forward to me now, yeah. look at me. I'm like literally on the razor's edge. I was just talking to you about this last week. I'm like, I'm, I'm like at the precipice of like death, like at every single like step I take, I'm like walking this razor's edge. I'm like 16 businesses deep. You know what I mean? Just started trying to diversify all of this cash flow. And I'm like, once March hits, I'm totally pulling back. And I'm like, this is like yeah. so scary and dangerous. You know what I mean? And like, but I just, I just, I, I'm like so fascinated because the, the thesis that you had three years ago was so sound. And so once I have these 16 built, I'm literally just going to like let some of them slowly fade off into the distance. And then every few years, I'll just add more to the roster. I, do I mean, I like that. Like, it's great. I just, you know, I think seven years ago or five years ago or three years ago, I was really, really afraid of all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Um, and so obviously that diversification is the answer to that. Um, and then since then, I've just seen so many people win with, like, like putting all of their eggs in one basket, having all of their focus there. And I think they can both win. They're, they're, they're both viable paths. Like our mutual yeah. friend, Jamie said, like, you know, make your money in concentration, keep it in diversification. Yeah. And like, I, that wasn't really a part of the way I thought um, three or four years ago. And um, now, I don't know, like a switch just flipped for me. And is it, is it because you turned into a parent? 
I don't think so. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Is, is the real answer is I don't know. Like a lot of shit has happened in the last like couple of years that have made me uh, think differently about life and my and the outcomes I'm looking for. Um, I think you know I took a lot of pain on the business side too, right? So in diversification, if you have good managers, it's excellent. But what happened was simultaneously, and I think you felt this too. Like if you get pulled into multiple things at the same time, your focus is so split. You you actually end up failing on all of them. Mm-hmm. And one way to avoid that outcome is to not have multiple things that can pull you in, right? And also, of course, to your point, like the parenthood thing, that, that's a job you you can't just put on hold. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I have a one-year-old, right? And so as a, it turns out one-year-olds really bad at feeding themselves, really bad at getting <laughs> themselves to daycare. Um, and, uh, you know, and maybe, you know, when, my, when Grayson's a little older or something like that, it, that could be on the table. But um, I think that recognizing that that time is, is so constrained made me start evaluating um, opportunities differently. Yeah, it's really fascinating that you kind of like met me at that stage in your life and you had that philosophy and thesis. And then now you're kind of transitioning into this thing. And I'm really curious as to why, because like it makes me wonder, like if I'm just like a couple steps behind you and then I'll also come to the same conclusion and double down. But, you know, what's really interesting is that um, I actually met a guy named Noah Kagan, um, AppSumo, um, you, you know of him, right? He's kind of like an influencer in a sense, but I had breakfast with him and then I had afternoon in my house with you, like literally back to back. And so I, I literally had a breakfast with him the day after I met you. And like the, 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 just the sheer, the sheer like intellectual, like mindset and like just the horsepower between the two of you guys, but in completely different perspectives was just like mind numbing week for me. I was like, I was like paralyzed for like two weeks, just like listening to both of you guys' thesis. Right. Um, but you had this like diversification approach and he had the siloed approach. He's like, what are you talking about? You just need to double down on like one thing and just make it into a really, really great business. And then you can obviously like create ancillary businesses around that, but you need to have a core thing because your mind can't do all those multiple things at once. Yeah. And so it's funny to hear you now pinging to the opposite side after I had these two menu options and I literally chose yours. And then like the moment I chose yours, you're, you're like immediately going towards this direction the entire time I've known you. And it's just like a really interesting thing because it sounds like what you were actually doing is problem solving in the macro. So you were first trying to diversify for security. And then once you were able to do that, maybe your mind was like security is not an issue. It's really around like growth and, and success. I don't know. You know, I mean, like, I don't know if you feel this way just about age, but definitely as I get older, like I start valuing different things. Um, and I was, I was on the tail end of a phase in my life where I was valuing, um, sort of like quality of life and freedom more. And I didn't have a kid at at the time, you know, you know, we weren't even sure if we were going to have kids. Oh wow! And, um, so we like, we, we had the security we needed. We didn't need to build a lot more wealth. We um, were able to sort of like partake in uh, like a more flexible, like, loca- like location flexible lifestyle. Um, and like now that I'm like, I have a kid, I wanna build a future, I wanna build a family, I'm thinking about longevity. Um, like I think it's just made, um, I don't know, it's just made our, our decisions be different. Yeah. And you're like now talking about like different parameters and success too. I mean, this is just piggybacking off of our conversation last night, but like you were also like, you're now like pivoting your philosophy and kind of like your, your direction towards like, 
like who, uh, just for not to be morbid, but like, you know, the, the latter part of your life, like who's at your deathbed, right? Like thinking through that backwards and like trying to reverse engineer, like satisfaction in, in, in relationships and how do you create that while you create business? And that's a really fascinating concept as well too, right? Because like, I don't think most people merge those two things together. I definitely don't. It's like yeah. you go make money so that you can have the freedom to hang out with your family. It's not like one and the same, but you're like now like circling around this concept of like, can I build my community with my business? Am I, am I, am I kind of on this, on, the, on kind yeah. of paraphrasing this correctly? <laughs> no, you're right. Like I think, um, I think when you're young, you think about what's like two years out or three years out. And I, and I would say that one of my big shortcomings or one of the things that I wish I could have changed about myself from five or 10 years ago is not thinking long-term enough. And um, I was always looking for quick hits. I was definitely, um, how do I maximize enjoyment in the moment? And um, I think my pace has slowed down. And now I'm trying to think about what does 10, 20, 30 years in the future look like? And how do I build to that? Um, I see a lot of um, like, deliberate planning and action in business among my friends. So my friends will often have, you know, like a three-year goal, a five-year goal, and they'll have, you know, like rocks or whatever, or OKRs to hit their targets uh, right. in their business lives, but, but not so much in their personal lives. And even if it isn't a personal life, it's like, you know, they're thinking, I think people think a lot about like, oh, I want to have a, a lake house in blah, 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 or whatever. Um, and right. uh, I would say that, when I was when I was 20, I didn't really value human relationships as much as I do now. And now yeah. I find that, you know, I, I get more joy out of that. And then I started reflecting on what like my parents and um, sort of like everyone in my parents generation looks like. And I'm like, oh, who are the people who I want to emulate? And it's rarely the person who's like, oh, they have the biggest boat or the, the you know, McMansion or whatever. I'm like, the people who are the happiest are the ones that are like going on vacations with their friends that, you know, they've had like, you know, long-term community. Um, not like, I think anybody can have friends that they like go to parties with and that kind of stuff, but yeah, who has those um, sort of like micro communities that they've carried with them like throughout their entire life. Hmm. And I want that. And, you know, I'm trying to build on the relationships that I have that I really care about and also be really, really deliberate about building the relationships that I want to carry with me until I die. And hmm. um, so that's like, the who you want to do it with. And then the what I want to do is, like I said, and I, I really enjoy this game of business and creation and thinking, and I think you do too. And yeah. so for myself and my, like merging those two things, like I, I just want to work on interesting projects with people I care about and, and have fun doing it. And I think for me, that's a good enough win. I don't care, you know, all other things equal. I would like to have it just rip out tons of cash. Um, but, yeah. you know, everybody who dies with a ton of money isn't like, oh shit, I sure wish I spent more of it. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I want to be, I guess I've realized like, I think anybody can have almost anything they want, but they can't have everything at the same time. Hmm. And so if I have to give up one of those things, what am I going to give up? Like I'll give up, you know, a little bit of personal wealth in favor of, sort of that richness and then and depth and um continuity of of meaningful relationships and so that's kind of the trade i'm making and and that's what i'm trying to invest for like you know i 
I love talking to you about this kind of stuff. You and I talk about possibly building stuff together. Like I, I want that to happen. And it doesn't have to be today or next year or three years from now, but I feel confident that by you know, maintaining those relationships, putting yourself out there, like those things will converge. There'll come a time when I'm on the beach, you'll be on the beach, like we'll, we'll figure it out. And um, that's what I want. I want to look back in like 40 years and be like, yeah, we built that together deliberately, the relationship and the business. Yeah, that's wild, man. It's a whole nother level of thinking. I mean, it's like, for me, it's just like, it's hard to like even, I can grasp the philosophy behind it, but I think it comes because you have a certain level of security and then you also have now more, more philosophical wants and needs. Right. Cause like for me, just like even achieving certain levels of like financial freedom, it was like not really something that was in my mindset. I wasn't even like thinking that that was like a thing or like even possible. I just thought that I would just basically work for the rest of my life right? and just work as much as I can and optimize for as much hourly rate as I possibly could. Right. And I thought that was the game and then meeting, you know, for lack of better words, like, you know, assholes like you that are just like, Oh yeah, why are you doing like that? Why aren't you thinking like this? And, and I'm like, damn it, that's possible. Like, Oh yeah, it is possible. It's not like just like reading books and you see these things, but like actually like having you in my backyard, like to literally talking to me in your stupid shorts, you know? And I'm like, this is amazing. This is totally doable. It's a, it's a normal person doing it, you know? And I should, I should be able to do this. And then, and then just being around you made it so much more, um, uh, doable, you know, just being around it more often. And so, um, I think once I, once I get into that mode, I can see, but I can already see myself thinking about what's after that. And so my wife and I have been talking a lot about this, about like, you know, what does life look like? You know, if I do actually slow down and, and like semi-retire, right. Cause like the reality is in March there, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm never really wanted massive amounts of wealth. I just, I've always just wanted the freedom of like doing what I love and, and, and spending time with my kids. And I think that like, something that I've been really like doing a lot of soul searching on recently is like, I don't know if I'll ever really retire because I was talking to my wife about this last night after the kids went to bed and we were just like having a really big heart to heart. But I, I feel like I found my life, like my life force, like my life happiness is building businesses. <laughs> like I truly feel validated and valid when I'm struggling and solving problems and fighting with people and like, you know, co-founders and like, I, I don't know. It's just like, it makes me, that pain makes me so happy. I feel so like validated and fulfilled and, 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 and proud. And, and then I think about the impact that has on my kids, right? So it's like, okay, so then I can also spend more time with them and have a qualitative and quantitative amount of time with them, but then they won't see me striving for the <clears throat> thing that makes me happy, but they also won't see me building businesses either. Right. Which is, yeah. I, I think that there's a lot that you communicate to your kid by, you know, not communicating, but by literally doing the thing. Right. And so, oh, um, anyways, I don't mean to, I don't mean to freak you out about your kid, but like there is no, a I lot love of that. this. Stuff. You're making me think about it. Think about that. I love that. Well, I mean, to think about it, right. Like think about like yeah. what you just said about your parents. You just said like, Hey, like I, you know, they told you to optimize for money and the society told you optimize for money because it's a rubric for success. It allows you to have the niceties in life. It has you, has you, um, measuring everything based on if you root it down to money, but then yeah. now in your, in your older and wiser age, you're looking at it going like, Hey, like when my parents are, um, older now and I'm looking at them and they're happier. They're happier, not because of that. They're happier because of this community that they built. And so yeah. now you're actually 
like looking at it from a different lens, but they never really communicated that to you. If I mean, I'm just assuming no. this, and I can ask you about this, but I'm assuming they're typical Asian parents that are like, B plus, why'd you get a B plus? Why did you get an A minus? Or, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm assuming that, right? And they probably told you to get into a good college, get a good job and, and make a lot of money and, and, and stay thin and be healthy and you know what I mean? And be polite, <laughs> like all the things, right? And so, um, you learned it though, subliminally or not subliminally, you learned it and now you're optimizing for it. Yeah. I, um, I mean, I, I just want to put, the, put this out there in case my parents ever see it, but like my parents were, um, were actually like pretty atypical in that regard. Um, oh, really? so yeah, yeah. My, my mom, my mom is like, so my, they both, you know, came over to the U S my dad came over in middle school and, um, and then he went to boarding school in New York and like, he, he sounds like, uh, I had friends who would call my house when I was in high school my dad would answer the phone and then they would hang up. And then the next day they'd be like, Hey man, I, I called that number, but a white guy answered the phone. <laughs> um, or like, and like and so, <laughs> my dad. Right. And then on my mom's side, she, my mom is, uh, you know, she was like a lobbyist for big oil company. She was a Harvard business school graduate. Like she, you know, she came over and you know, she has a master's in applied math. Like, yeah. um, like, not like the typical immigrant mom story. Yeah. Um, and they were definitely um, more concerned with happiness and helping us find our path. Now, oh, really? that, that said, of course, like my parents, like they, all of the things equal, they wanted be, me to be like an attorney or a doctor. Uh, and actually yeah. finance was a valid path. But yeah. when I left my job in, in trading, mm-hmm. my mom was like, and like my mom trades options for fun today. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. Um, and like, like she, she makes obscene amounts of money trading options on the side in retirement. Um, oh my God. And, that's awesome. um, such a gangster. Like, she, oh, she's yeah. a gangster. Like we used to joke that she's actually like, you know, a spy or something like that. My mom yeah. was a four, four foot 11 Asian woman. And she would like, like, she was like, Oh, I had dinner with the queen of Thailand. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, they were they, they were great. They were awesome. They were atypical. Um, you know, Melody, my wife, um, jokes all the time that I have no idea what the the Asian American childhood experience is like because um, because of my parents. Got it. Um, but you know, that's out of like all the things equal. I do think you know you know pursue more wealth, pursue more you know like prestige, like, and I think those are good proxies for happiness. Like if you don't, nobody's like okay, with everything else equal choose being poorer right like that's, that's true a, yeah that, that's a dumb choice yeah um and i think um so obviously like if you don't know what your kid wants tell them to do the thing that will get them more prestige and wealth like they can use that to parlay it into like a proxy for happiness that's true um, yeah but but yeah like i think what happened for me is like i came back and i looked back and you know we had this like sort of small community like a little mini village of, of families that you know we spent every every Thanksgiving, Christmas, weekends, like all together. And so growing up, I had these relationships with other parents that were not my parents. They weren't, they weren't just like, oh, you know, we saw Uncle Bill every now and then or whatever. It was, we went to dinner with them twice a week, the same family for over a decade. Um, and like, they'll still text me on my birthday, like ask me for pictures of Grayson. Like they visited, I took them out to dinner last week. Um, and so I have, I had the experience of having these relationships and now today I see my friends and like, you know, like 
you know, I, Melody and I have date night with another couple, like double date next week. It's been on yeah. the calendar for six weeks. Like yeah. that's, that's how far out we have to plan in order to see people. And, that's right. and I just don't think, you know, like if you see someone once a week versus every six weeks, it's not that the relationship is six times better. It's like a thousand times better because the mm. proximity of those um, interactions um, compounds and like you form deeper, longer, more meaningful relationships, I think. Um, you know, I don't know, I'm still figuring it out. But um, but I realized that was something that my that happened in my parents' generation that I see less today. And so I'm trying to be deliberate about like understanding how do I recreate that for myself because I know that it has added value for me. I love it, man. That's freaking awesome. And I actually agree with you. Um, and I know it's just your opinion, but I actually think it's the right the right um um, sentiment. I think that there is a compounding effect as you see more people. I mean, it goes back to the whole concept. Like the biggest thing that I've done to optimize for, you know, my trajectory that I'm on is literally surrounding myself with people like you. So I've intentionally just like increased just dumb, the freak. Dumb guy. <laughs> I've just like identified people that are like you, like, like you, literally you, Eric. And like, I'm like, okay, those are the things that I want in my life or those are things that I want to mimic and copy. And I've intentionally just cut people out and added those people in and just increased the frequency. And the dumbest thing happens. It just compounds. And you naturally become more accessible, approachable to those mindsets and thinking. And it just becomes more doable and possible. And so it's like fascinating because I talk to people even from four years ago or people that have knew me in my tech startup days. They, it's like I have to like start by prefacing. It's like night and day from what you knew me four years ago to now because my entire yeah. mindset is different than it was even three years ago. Like I'm a completely different person and completely different yeah. professional, you know? And um, I think that you're absolutely right in that frequency thing because if you do do that, then you can actually like create that bigger relationship. But then like how do you justify that with like the timing of it all? Because it's not like it used to be. It's not like I remember growing up the same way, like my family and extended family units were super close and uh, we would all hang out and like it was very uh, natural and we'd have these huge yeah. family things and functions and and then it just kind of all fell apart over the last like 10 or 15 years. But even as Amy and I try to create friends and relationships, it's the exact same thing you just talked about. It's like, okay, maybe it's next yeah. month or maybe it's like two months from now or like, yeah. and then, and then is it awkward to make it into a cadence or frequency? It kind of is. And so you're like, okay, so what does that look like? You know? And like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I agree. I don't know what the solution is to solve for it because it's incredibly awkward to ask people to get on a rotation. Dude, I, so, I mean, you know, my friend Chris and like, we try to buy a house next to him, like not even kidding because yeah. I think there's this thing where like, if I have to get into a car to go to your house, like yeah. it, it's not that I won't do it. And like, and the 10 minutes is too long. It's that like that, that friction, that activation energy to making it happen is so much higher than if I just like, Oh, I look out the window. Oh, your lights are on. I'm going to knock on your door. If you're busy, no big deal. Right. <laughs> and, and for that reason, like if I could get any, you know, I have like a group of like 10 friends or something like that where I'm like, yes, I think it would be, um, I would be lucky to have Grayson grow up around you. Right. And, yeah. and I have like 10 friends like that. Yeah. And if I could get any two of them to be in the same neighborhood, I would pay any amount of money to buy a house there. Cause 
like it'll give me the chance to have those three people, like three families kind of growing up in lockstep where scheduling isn't the problem anymore. And I think one of the things about our parents' generation is that, you know, they had different pressures in, in sort of like that day than we do, right? And I think even for a long time, like even during the pandemic, my mom would be like, I don't understand why you're on your computer at six, hmm. right? And I think that, you know, answering emails at 5 p.m. wasn't a thing in like 1995. Mm -hmm. um, but not answering emails at 6 p.m. is is pretty rare now for us, right? And mm -hmm. so I think like life has changed, culture has changed, work has changed, but consequently, like, you know, what's given? And like, we, we've kind of sacrificed that, the ability to have this like, you know, this time outside of work or whatever, especially for professionals like you and me. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know that that trade is the right trade, right? Like, I, I think that, you know, by all accounts, we're luckier than our parents. Like I can push a button and like paper towels will show up in my house in like 45 minutes or whatever. Like <laughs> that's just not a thing for, but, but I think that slack time is really important. And I think particularly in our like culture today drives, like be productive all the time, whatever. And I think, um, you just can't have everything. You, you can have anything, just not everything. Oh God. I love it. That's going to be the title of your episode. You can have anything. You can't have everything. I love it. It's such a good little, good little, uh, uh slogan there. I'm going to uh, just uh, attribution Anthony. Oh, you got to attribute that to Anthony. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's still a really great one. Yeah. I'm still going to make it your title. Um, and <laughs> you just, you just called it out for Anthony, but talk to me a little bit more about, um, um, what you're thinking about as a dad. So how does this impact what you're going to do for Grayson? Like, do you want him to be, um, kind of the same, uh, culture and nurture that you grew up in with this, like, you know, optimized for happiness. And this, it sounds like you had a pretty wide variety of experiences just because of the roles that your parents played. But, um, are you looking for that? Like that kind of same environment where they can optimize for happiness and, and things like that? Or are you, um, kind of thinking differently? Do you want them to be an entrepreneur? Do you want them to, you know, go get a steady job? What are you, what are you thinking? Um, I, I don't really care if, uh, you know, Grayson's an entrepreneur, or if we have any more, whoever else. Um, but I do think that the best way to create wealth is is by building your own things. Um, so, like, I want that outcome for my children. So, if I can teach them those skills, um, I, I'd like to. Now, I don't think they have to necessarily do that in their own business or whatever. I think you can be entrepreneurial and not necessarily apply it professionally, or you can apply it at micro levels. But I do think, like, sort of the skills that it takes to be an entrepreneur are are at least those are skills that I value. And so I'd like to pass them on. Yeah. Um, overall. Yeah, I, I do. I would say if I had to choose between happiness and wealth, I'm going to choose happiness for Grayson. Really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I yeah. mean, I think you can be really, really poor and really, really happy. And, um, you know, so long as you're not struggling, uh, I, yeah. I, I'll choose that outcome for Grayson. Yeah. Um, obviously there are bounds, right? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I get it now. Yep. But yeah. Um, but, uh, actually something you said earlier today, like, just on this call made me start thinking. I was like, oh, shoot. This episode of The Girl Dad Show is brought to you by Owners Club. As a business owner myself, I know firsthand how challenging the journey can be. Whether it's having someone that I can ask a very tactical question to or just being able to share my big successes without guilt. Building a business is a lonely journey and it does not have to be. After building and coaching dozens of businesses to success, there is one insight that is so obvious and simple, yet hard to execute. And that is network equals net worth. 
And so if you're a growth-minded, supportive, smart, and hardworking business owner looking for a community of like-minded entrepreneurs to build with, look no further than the Owners Club. You will make lifelong friends and build your business that works for you. You can learn more online at owners.club. I have, until now, been thinking that the kind of childhood I want Grayson to remember is one where I'm just always around, just hanging out with him. It's like, um, I, I was thinking, um, and I've like written this down before, like with, um, in my um, entrepreneur group in EO, uh, we've done this exercise where we talk about like mortality and you know, what do you want your kid to remember? Yeah. And I had written down that I was like, a really, really good outcome for me would be one where like, when I die, Grayson looks back and he's like, wait, Eric had a job? <laughs> like, like, it would be, it would be, no, but like, not, not that he like didn't believe it, but, but that it would be mind blowing because he'd be like, I remember him being there with me all the time, That's taking right. me here, taking me there. We uh, would like, you know, build stuff together and like, um, like we built a tree house this summer and the next year we, we rebuilt a car or, you know, right. like he would teach me stuff and, and like, it would just be shocking to him because he had, we would have no memories of me being away or at work. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of like a vision of like, like a future that I, that I think I would have valued. And then you kind of made this point earlier, but it's like, you know, by, by being around your children and struggling and building things for yourself, like you're going to through osmosis impart those values. And I want him to have those too. And if if I'm literally, literally just always playing catch with him in the backyard, He's not going to learn those things. That's right. right? And so, so literally 15 minutes ago, this <laughs> conversation was the first time I thought about that. And so I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, I don't know if I can swear. Well, uh, I, you, you can. can. It's, yeah, totally fine. Yeah. Um, um, it's so funny because I think that it's just because I've gone, you know, I'm like six years into being a parent and I'm, I'm kind of philosophical like you too. I like to kind of like think about things in a kind of a macro business sense and you end up being more operational, right? So you have to end up becoming strategic or philosophical. But I will say I had the exact same goals. Like those are my exact same goals. I'm going to optimize for wealth and financial freedom so that I can spend 110% of my time with my kids and be everything for them. And then over the last like couple of years, as I started to discover that I love this, I'm like genuinely happy. I'm like, so like, like I find that to be so important because, um, fortunately or unfortunately, I, um, talk to a huge quantity of business owners. Like it's both good and bad. Right. But like, what's really good about it is, is that I get to hear kind of the common themes and, and I also get to unfortunately see that one of the common themes that a lot of people face in our age, especially as they start having kids and all these things change is that everyone starts to sacrifice themselves for their kids. And you have a lot of depressed, miserable, middle-aged business owners. I'm probably sure not even business owners, just middle-aged people in general, parents in general, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, my business is talking to business owners. So yeah, I just yeah. have a want, and I get the opportunity to talk to a ton of them. So it's like really interesting for me to like see the commonalities, but there's a big group of people that are just like low key, like depressed. Uh, cause they're not yeah. doing the thing that they love because they're doing it for their kid and they love their kid more than the thing that they love. And yeah. it's not good or bad, but it's like, I'm like, now it makes me like introspective when I see all these people, I'm like, Oh, this is a theme. It's not like one or two things. It's like a good 30 or 40% of the business owners that I talk to are struggling with like, Oh, I, I love to be this, but I'm going to do this for the next 20 years. Cause I want to like do these things for my kids. And I'm like, 
that's interesting because I, I admire it. I think it's cool because that's the way I think, right? I'm going to do this hard work so that I can be there for my kid. It's like very benevolent and, and like yeah, it yeah. seems very gracious and generous. But if you think about it, it's actually kind of selfish because now they're going to grow up thinking life is easy. And, and the reason why it triggered is my Lily came up to me the other week and she's like, Dad, are we rich? She asked me that. <laughs> and my response to her was like, I mean, I had to literally think about it. And I'm like, uh, mommy and daddy are rich. You're not rich. And that was the best <laughs> response I could come up with because I didn't want her to think like, one, like, I didn't know how to answer that, you know, with like saying what's rich. And I didn't want to like, yeah, you know, yeah. like flower with like, what are the constraints? Because she wouldn't get that, right? Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, but I also didn't want to like say no, because it's not true. But I also didn't want to say yes, because there's way richer people than us. But at the same token, we have for not, right? Like she can right. basically have whatever she wants. So it's, I'd say we're, we're pretty well off, right? right. But the question is, is like, do I say that to her to make, I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? The complexity of that question. Yeah. And, and it immediately cascaded into all these things. And I'm like, wait, what am I embodying for her? Isn't it just as important for me to live a life of my values and happiness and striving? Yeah. So she sees that and she can relate yeah. to it when she grows older. And she goes, that's why he did that. Because it was yeah. that important to win and be happy, you know, and be around happy people. Yeah. I, um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I reflect a lot on sort of like my parents, um, and how they raised me and also like the tools they had at their disposal and yeah. like how times were different. Like, here's a crazy story. My mom, um, she was like, oh yeah. Um, when I took you home to the hospital, I was in the front seat and I just carried you in my arms. And I was like, oh, you can do that. Like, <laughs> <That's> so crazy. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, that's how love- you brought me home from the hospital. Um, and like, I mean, times have changed, obviously. Totally. That's amazing. Um, and, um, this is going to sound crazy, but like in our parents' generation, basically they had two ways to learn about raising kids. One, what their parents told them. And, you know, maybe if they got lucky, some of the people around them. Yeah. Um, there were like, yeah, there was like maybe one book written by like Spock from Star Trek. Um, yeah, I get and it. And then totally agree. Yeah. I have learned a ton from Instagram, like haters hate, whatever. <laughs> there's, there's always like sound bites. Or, and also I love like just the plug Daily Dad. That's such a great newsletter. And um, I, I bought a, a copy of that book for everyone in my EO forum because nice. it's amazing. Yeah. But um, uh, there was this clip and, on an Instagram thing and it was saying like, look, the best way you can be a good parent is to like also be true to yourself, right? And so if you have to like cut out a part of yourself to try to like sacrifice yourself, you're not going to show up whole for your kids or your wife or the people in your family. You're you're going to be a shell of who you are if you if you're willing to sacrifice that. And it may feel um, like generous or like I think uh, in our culture we also like we we kind of valorize self sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and but if you do that, you're you're really just bringing like a half you to the table. And I, I think you're right. Like if business owners like feel like they're sacrificing or giving up the thing that, 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 that gives them that spark in life in order to do the thing for the kid. They're, they're also, they're kind of cheating themselves and cheating their kid. Um, Boom. End of the show. No more podcast ever. That's the wrap of the girl dad show. That was perfect. Perfect. Yeah, no, I'm not interviewing anybody more any, after this last final episode. No, I'm totally Great. kidding. I, we're going to have so much free time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so much free time. Let's... <laughs> 
let me um, let me uh, ask you a couple more questions that are more sure. um, podcasty, uh, and then I want to make sure that I ask. I have enough time to ask you my rapid fires. Yeah, because no, no. I could talk to you freely like this, like all the time. <laughs> I yeah. love talking to you. Let's do. Let yeah. me know when the house next to you opens up. I'll I'll, I'll buy the house. I would I love to live next to you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I will say. Um, it's kind of actually funny, and this is kind of a good little compliment to you, but I don't really talk on the phone. Um, I'm not a big, like, call people and stuff like that. And if it is, it has to be scheduled. I, yeah. I rarely call. I mean, you text me. Don't call me, right? But, like, you're probably the only person. I think you actually are the only person that I'll randomly try to call. I'm free, so I'll just call <laughs> Eric. Like, I'll just see if he's available. And if you're not available, you're not available. But, like, I'll just yeah, try to yeah, call. Yeah. But, like, I think you're actually the only person I actually do that with. Is that funny? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Take it, take a, take a little W there, uh, in 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 some weird way. That's a W. I don't know. It's a W from my point of view. But um, let's talk about this now that you're talking about wrapping up your bakery business, or you're not. It sounds like there's some wavering. Um, yeah. Let's talk about how you qualify success, because I'm actually curious as to why you're wavering and why you you yeah. thought about shutting it down versus like keeping it going, because your yeah. your qualifi- qualifications for business success, especially for this business bakery, is very strange and unique, and I disagree with it. So that's <laughs> sure. also why I want you to share it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. So talk to me about how you qualify success for this business specifically, and then how you qualify success for business generally. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean. Overall, like, so I've had kind of this, like, I don't know if it's like core value or whatever for, for a while now, um, which I've talked to um, our mutual friend Pavel about, which is like, at the end of all of this, what I really want to do is build cool shit with people I like. Yeah. That's it. Um, this business, I would say, it didn't start with the intent of being a particularly big business. I thought it was going to be fun. I thought it was going to, it was a product I, the product itself I enjoyed. I thought there was an opportunity to make a small business that spits off a little bit of cash flow. So um, it was never intended to be huge. Then once we started getting into it, I was like, I got wrapped up in it. I got, I got, um, I saw an opportunity. And, and I think this is part of the disease that people like you and I have, which is like, you see a path and, and then you, you know, for a long time, I couldn't say no to paths. Now I'm getting a lot better at saying no to paths. It's something I'm still learning. Um, but I saw something and it was exciting and I had to pursue it. And then for me, what I wanted to do, and I don't know if this is what you, you're you referring to, but for me, um, success was, was beating the game in a sense, like by playing it differently, um, because I believe that there are these sort of alternate paths that could lead to, you know, like unreasonable scale in food businesses in unreasonable periods of time, like yeah. super fast, super big. And yeah. that's something that I think people didn't really think about because the classic path to food expansion is slow, steady, brick and mortar, and then like fast would be franchising to, to get more locations. Um, and my perspective was that um, basically no food businesses are, are doing reasonable marketing um, and uh, food businesses are essentially uh, pull businesses rather than push businesses. So I wanted to kind of turn that on its head. I believe that product selection mattered and I thought that we had you know, found the sweet spot of product that could, that it could work for, um, with something that was, you know, not too foreign to the American palate. And I thought, I thought we had a winner. And so then we started doubling down on it. And so for me, early days winning was just proving out that concept. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to be rich, but I also wanted to be right 
on that more than like, I don't want to say more than rich, but like they would go hand in hand. If I was yeah. right, we would be rewarded financially. Um, and I started this business, you know, well over maybe like 18 months before we had Grayson. Mm-hmm. Um, then as we were getting into it, like, you know, even up until Grayson was born, we were, we were traversing a, a really reasonable path. Like, you know, we, you know, we're basically breaking, uh, we're kind of at the heels of about a, a million dollar uh, run rate um, when Grayson was born. And that was pretty fast and everybody was kind of shocked. And then we imploded, it went terribly. And um, we, um, we started like rethinking and we we're like, okay, what's gone wrong here? Um, somewhere in there, I had already had these like thoughts of like, you know, instead of like thinking venture scale super fast, um, I had started thinking about what does slow and doing something forever look like? Um, mm. And so now I would say a version of success for me is, this is gonna sound dumb, I've maybe not dumb. This is a lot of my future like visions come are an instance or a scene. And my scene is like a brick and mortar outlet somewhere where Grayson, when he's like five, can eat one of our kolaches, right? I love it. And, and so, so that's something really, really concrete, right? And, yeah. and there's, there's a lot of ways to get there, but I now think that, you know, the common sense and the clear path around food of slow growth, brick and mortar, build true fans in a neighborhood, then do it again and again, and that's a five, 10, 15 year path, that sounded terrible to me when mm. we started this business. And now I would love that outcome. Mm, boom. I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I want to take a ton of credit for you coming to that conclusion because I don't think you, 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 you can attribute to me directly, but I feel like I've been sprinkling it in over the last, no, no, over I, the last year. I, I remember you, 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 uh, you drew this beautiful graph of a hockey stick. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, did you just show me exponential growth? <laughs> That's amazing, man. And I love that you just painted the exact specific picture about Grayson walking into the store. I mean, I um, I have um, aspirations to open up an ice cream shop, um, you know, maybe later this year or if definitely next year, if it's not this year. But um, um, the, the, the one of the business criteria is that my kids will go in there and, you know, yeah. just like have ice cream and like yeah. it's just part of her, their lives and their ecosystem. And it's just it's like so cool. Right. Especially because the ice cream shop will be most likely called Lily and Grace, you know, like Lily and Grace. Cafe oh, or that's, Lily and Grace. that's a great yeah. name, too. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be super yeah. cute. Yeah. And if it, if it becomes a chain, great. If it doesn't, I don't really care. Right. Like yeah. it, 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 for me, like success is like a very different qualifier. If it makes money and it's profitable and it's sustainable, you're helping the community, you're giving jobs to the local economics uh, economy and you're contributing as a, a community member and you're, and you're creating like a feature and a, and an asset to your, to your family and your, and your community. I mean, like those are all great qualifiers. I mean, and um, I think that's actually slower, but the semblance of a chain, because if you can create that, then you can replicate it and replicate it. And then like, Again, I don't want to, uh, you know, be pedantic and show you the exponential curve, but it starts, sl- <laughs> it starts slower. <laughs> it starts slower for sure. But as you stack these slower, consistent things, it it hockey sticks up, you know, and and it and it blows up, and you can get that outsized outcome by just slowing down. 
And I thought I think that that's yeah. what you needed to do from the beginning. And I've been trying to like encourage you to think about yeah. Howdy Kalachi because it's a great business, it's a great product, and you would have a great storefront business if you just thought smaller and slower, and it would yeah. be faster before you knew it. I th I think you're right, right? And I think um, you know I've learned a lot in the last couple of years, um, and I think I've grown a lot as a person. I made a ton of mistakes. And um, I think a lot of my thinking before was, you know, one, I was tainted by um, by tech. I think w when you're in tech, you yeah. you think about 10xing overnight, um, and it's it's hard to it's hard to think on three or five or, or definitely ten year time horizon. I mean, and so um, I had that baggage. And the other thing is that like I just maybe like the arrogance and ambition of youth, right? And so you know like. You know, I grew up late and I'm fucking immature and childish. I, I feel bad every time I swear. I, I, it's yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, but um, that arrogance and ambition of youth where, like, I thought that I could, you know, beat the common sense. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to challenge common sense. I don't want to say you should never do so, right? Because I think um, Jeff Bezos in one of his books has this quote. He's like, look, you know, the way to have outsized returns is to go against common sense. The problem with that is that common sense is usually right, right? And so I think... You know, it's important to be able to challenge common sense, but at the same time, like, I was too confident. I was overconfident and ambitious and arrogant to believe that the common sense didn't apply to me. And that was, you know, I was like, I would say a failing of youth. Um, not that I was that young, it's just that I acted like a child. Um, but yeah, like I, in retrospect, if I could go back, I would, or if I could start over today, I would go the classic tried and true brick and mortar path and tell myself I'm on a 10 year time horizon yeah. and plan for a 10 year time horizon. And the thing is like, when you plan for a 10 year time horizon, you have to do all different things than planning for a one or a two year time horizon for growth. Right. So mm -hmm. our, our path was, you know, lean startup, like, um, you know, very tech tactics, try to fail fast. And we failed not fast enough. We should have failed faster. Mm -hmm. Um, the other reality is that, you know, in 2020, when we started this business, we wouldn't have chosen brick and mortar. That, that would have been a terrible bet in mm -hmm. 2020. And in 2020, like just the climate was such that Ghost Kitchen sounded really, really attractive. That was the right, it sounded at least like the right play. And yeah. we didn't know how long it was going to last. And in 2023, when, when brick and mortar is doing a lot better, you know, Ghost Kitchen sounds a lot worse. And Ghost yeah. Kitchen is a lot more competitive. And so something's changed on us. I would say we were slow to adapt, but yeah, man, I, I, now I want that and I want to do what I can to figure out how we get there. And like, you know, there's a part of me, it's like, even if we fold this today, like I want to do it again. Like hmm. I love our product. I think we make best in class product. I think that it's, it's really good for the American palate. I think, um, I think we've, you know, we've figured out a lot of stuff that other clutchy shops haven't, not because we're smarter, but because, you know, Tom and I went into it dumber. And as a result, we just reached out to everyone. Like I've probably, I would bet that I've talked to more Kalachi shop owners in America than anybody else. Yeah. Because I, I I'd have knew to agree. I didn't know shit. I'd have to agree. Yeah. You and I share that same weird, weird quirk where we just like literally go ask people <laughs> like all the things that we want to learn, yeah. <laughs> like no shame. Right. Um, I completely agree. And I love that. And, and, and if you do go down this road again, that I think it'll be very successful in that new criteria, but it's really great to hear that 
you know, how you think about success in a very macro sense, because it sounds like it's actually a moving target for yourself as well. Like you're, you're actually like qualifying success depending on your current state, your current emotional state, your maturity state, like all the different, all the different parameters. So that's freaking awesome. Um, it also seems a lot more whimsical. I don't know why I made you my target. I should have like, I should have really thought this through before. (laughs) I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Let me move on to the next question. And before I go, can you stay on a few, can you stay on a few minutes late after the, uh, cool. Sorry. Cause this is, this is going, I'm talking way too much in this episode. No, I love it. Okay, great. Um, how do you qualify success in parenting? So what are you thinking now that we've had this conversation? I know you alluded to the initial vision and then now you're kind of like rethinking that, but like, are there other elements of parenting? Like when you think about being a dad, what do you think about like uh, success as? Yeah. um, That's a really good question, right? I mean, so obviously on this, on this big piece of like what I want Grayson to remember his childhood as, um, I think in this conversation, you've already uh, shaped my opinion on that. Like now that's got, I've got to go back to the drawing board. Um, I do want, I don't want Grayson to ever feel like, I don't want him to be 15 or 25 or 35 or 45 and think, you know what? Like my dad was never around. Like, Mm, and I think that, you know, I have friends who are that person for their kids right now. They're working too much or whatever. They can't make time. They, they're like calendaring an hour with their kid. I I don't want that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought the answer to that until now was, like Grayson shouldn't even realize that I have a job. He should be like, oh yeah, he was there every day. He, whatever, he took me out. He, um, and um, now I, I just want him to be able to see that I'm there now. Mm-hmm. And you're, I want to take him on that journey. I want to do things with him that are meaningful. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about is I think um, a lot of parents with disposable income, like people in our class of people, they, and not like uber wealthy, but also, you know, we can afford stuff. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people in our class, they um, overwork, they aren't always there for their kid. And then they compensate by taking them to, um, you know, Europe or whatever. And, oh and like God. these big yeah. things. And uh, for me, when I look back on my childhood, the, the, the meaningful things were just like the boring things. Like we went to this one Chinese restaurant, the same Chinese restaurant twice a week. And I remember like, me and Princeton, like we were like, you know, all the kids and the families were just playing in the waiting room. And that's such a boring memory or, or sitting or like making, um, you know, like, like forts with couch cushions. Those are, those are the meaningful memories. And I think those just take time. Right. And so you can, what I don't want to do is throw money at the problem to absolve myself of the guilt. Uh, and I think that the only way, like you can throw money at it or throw time at it. And I, I want to be able to have the time for Grayson. Um, <sighs> That hits me so hard because I'm you literally just described me as a parent, so I need to like really go back Dude, to the drawing board as well. No, my favorite thing that I see on your feed is like when you like Lily, like you know, making coffee with the Chemex, or yeah. like you taking the girls to Starbucks on Saturday mornings. Like yeah. I, I would say you're a model for me in terms of like you know, Grayson's too young for this right now, yeah. and there's a part of me that's like, oh, I feel lucky that I have like maybe three more years before Grayson remembers anything, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but like the, the way you like, you know, play with your kids, the, like, you know, like in the backyard even, right. Like you, you've yeah. created a life for yourself where you can have that proximity to them. You can spend the time. It can be meaningful to them. You have like dedicated date nights with Amy. You, um, have, you know, date nights with the, with 
you know, Lily and Grace or date mornings at Starbucks, yeah. uh, which presumably gives Amy sort of her uh, yeah, sanity time. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so like, I think you are one of the models for how, you know, people can balance those things. And, and I think that's really awesome. Oh, man. Thank you for saying that. Because I, I do feel like I have these tendencies where I'm like, I got to take them on a big trip because it's like I have all this money that I made, but I'm like not spending yeah. enough time with them. And so I like literally what you said, I like it's a guilt thing. I'm like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to like make it an epic trip. I'm going to spend a ton of money doing yeah. a ton of cool things so I can like make it really amazing. And it's like justification, but it makes me feel really good to know that from from your point of view, I'm actually doing both. It sounds like. But like for, for yeah. you, think about your childhood. What are the memory like the like the scenes that you remember? Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good question actually. And I um I will say that um you know those those big memories, um those big trips and stuff were fun, but I do remember more fondly like the the consistent interactions. Like I, I used to go to Korea every summer and stay with my grandparents. I, I do remember that really fondly. Ooh. Like it was a fun like two months. Like every year, two months, I'm like, oh I'm in Korea and like getting to do this with my brothers and sisters and like I do remember that. And that, I mean, obviously that's expensive in the flight, but like the reality is it's not really that expensive because we're yeah. just staying at my grandparents' house, right? And, but it was not like, it's exactly what you said. It's not, um, it's not like this crazy money spend. It's, it's a very boring and sedentary trip, but I remember it very fondly because it's like what you did in summer and it was, you looked forward to it and you spent time with your grandparents and you bonded and they basically pampered you and spoiled you rotten before you went back home again. And do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it was just, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I think that's what Amy keeps telling me too, is that like, you know, we, um, actually have more than enough than what we need and we just need to do more time and, and yeah. more experiences. And so she's pretty sage. She's much wiser than I am. Um, I, I'll, I'll only say that on the podcast. I won't say that to her face, but by <laughs> proxy, she'll hear this podcast and then she'll hear it. So does she know. listen to all the podcasts? She does now. Yeah, she does oh, now. Okay. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't I... at first, but now she listens to every single one. And so she's fully caught up and she's listened to every single episode now. And it's been really interesting for her to like, listen to it. And I was also asking her why she doesn't listen to it in the beginning. Right. But I think it was just like time and energy, just like everybody else. Yeah. Right. And then I think she realized that it was like something that I was going to continue to do. And then the moment she realized that I was going to make it as a core part of my life, she caught up. So now she's fully caught up and has listened to every single episode. And so I'm really excited to hear her listen to this one because I don't actually know if she fully understands the huge shift that I have made in the last three years and why and you know what has been influencing all these decisions because it makes her nervous you know like for her for her like you know safety security you know f time she would she, she's very low she's very um low expectations on 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 lifestyle and luxury right she has very low expectations she's much happier with like simpler things less things she's a minimalist she's very like she's actually more asian than me in the sense of the stereotypes like She's very like Buddhist concepts and in, in thinking, but um, I'm, but um, to that point, like I mean, like you know, if, if, I think it's it's easy to like do the grand trip. Obviously, it costs money, but like yeah. like I bet if you and Amy just got like a big tarp and a bunch of like non toxic paint and said roll around in the paint, the girls would love that, and that costs like a hundred bucks or something like that, right? Yeah. And, and there's there's all these kinds of like really really inexpensive things that are about like you can create memories outside of Disneyland. Like 
I've told Pavel this. I was like, if I can never go to Disney with Grayson, that would be a win for me. You have to go to Disney. It's so amazing. <laughs> it's so good. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. It's so Perfect. fun, man. And like, it is like the, the their their eyes and their just like their experience is just like just meeting the characters that they've like watched and like loved is just like. I don't know how to explain it. You have to go, but I, I, I'm, you have to I'm buy sure into the will. corporate. You have I'm to sure buy into the corporate machine. It is sure unavoidable, it's and it's such a corporate machine. I mean, like, it's so terrible. Like, they literally sell you on the swag that they basically propagates further involvement into the product. The food is like kids' cheeseburgers are like twenty six bucks, and you, there's nowhere else to eat, so you have to pay it. It's like terrible, <laughs> but. It's the it's the experience for these guys to actually like physically like manifest their like you know their their idols at that stage of their life. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. But I agree with you. And I know you've been sending me these things about like gardening with my kids and stuff, but Amy's a big gardener and we finally got our garden in place after, you know, three years of living here and uh it's amazing. I mean the Grace is a huge gardener now, so she gardens with Amy religiously, and they do all the gardening together. Lily's uh. as, as as participatory as possible, but she's already in school now, so they do most of their gardening when Lily's in school. So um, it's really fun because I can see, like, in the future, the girls remembering, you know, having the most fun in the backyard, like playing in the jungle. See, I want to, I want to yeah. buy the house next to you so that Grace <laughs> can garden with Amy. Yeah, if you, okay, I'll let you know if one of them opens up. But if you do live next door to me, can we please um, build like a lazy river that goes through both of our backyards? Obviously, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> just have this epic like backyard like oasis for kids. Wait, can um, I pause real quick? Um, yeah. I had never heard this thing about you going to Korea every summer. Oh, really? I yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess we don't really we haven't really delved into our family and stuff. And I should have asked you more questions about that as well too. But it's because it's really fun hearing about your mom. But yeah, can I I tell you that I used to go to Japan every summer? What? Yeah. Wait, why? So this is we've never talked about this, but um, it's a pretty uncommon experience. I don't know very many people have this, but um, Japan. So I'm Chinese for listeners or whatever. But um, when uh, when I was a baby, um, one of uh, our, like, my mom needed childcare because she was a working mother. And um, so my nanny was this Japanese woman. And awesome. then she ended up going back to Japan. And then it was the 80s. And Japan was going to be like the next superpower. Oh, so yeah. My mom, yeah, yeah. Back in the 80s. So my oh, mom yeah. was like, I mean, there's a, a little more to this. But, um, but my mom started sending me to Japan every year. So I went to Japan and I went to school there too. And like, I like went to elementary school, whatever, um, every summer. So awesome. So you you could get acclimated to the culture, the language, the nuance in case they became a super economic power. Japanese was my first language because my nanny was Japanese. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love it. Like, so my nanny moved back to Japan and then, um, my mom started sending me to daycare and then the daycare would like call my mom and be like, we have no idea what your kid is saying. Can, <laughs> can you translate? And then my mom would be like, Oh, I don't know either. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't know we shared that. Like, I think for me, like that's kind of formative. And I have all these memories of Japan um, when I was a kid. And honestly, they're just like walking down a dusty street, going to elementary school, kicking off the shoes and the, the shoe room, like, you know, like playing baseball with like friends after school, like those are the memories. None of them are like 
like the big things. It's like wow. at the at the end of it all, like I think everybody on their deathbed remembers the boring, small, repetitive things. And I don't know. That's what I'm that's building. Super for. cool, man. I love that. That's a really great um, success criteria for parenting. I think that's a good. That's a good. Very insightful. Can you imagine deep. how insane? It would sound like, like if you told Amy, you're like, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to send Lily and Grace away for two months every year. Uh, because I, you know, I fantasize about this with Melody and, and yeah. Melody would absolutely yeah. not go for it. Yeah. Um, but I, she, no, I Amy so would not cool. be able to do that. She would not be able to do that at all. Yeah. And it's actually really funny that our parents did that because it's kind of crazy to even think that that's even a thing. You know what I mean? It's like, what? Uh, but yeah, that's really funny. But I think that's also why we're so dope. That's probably it. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or broken. Like, or broken. <laughs> like... Hey, let me, um, let me bring this home. So yeah, um, I want to ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions that I ask every guest. Um, I, like to, I like the conversations to be freewheeling like this. This is probably the first episode that I've let go longer than an hour, which is really not operational of me, which I'm usually really proud of. But it's, we'll it's your special. 10 minutes in the middle. You're, no, absolutely not. All of it's going in. Um, let me ask you my rapid fire questions so there's some symmetry to all my episodes. You ready for this? Okay. What advice do you have for other parents and soon-to-be parents? Um, boring tactical one is take more videos. I feel like that's just always true. Like everybody takes pictures, but nobody takes enough videos. It's a really good piece of advice and I have to like second and third that. So I will tell you right now as a, a six year veteran parent, um, the videos are unbelievably fun. I mean, I'll, I'll watch those videos even like, um, monthly and quarterly, like with Amy. And it's like, it, it just gives you so much perspective on your kids, like, you know, and they're screaming and being terrible. You're like, Oh man, this is going to be so fleeting. And so just take a ton of videos. I completely love that. I, I love that you already know that. And you're only a year in. It's great. Um, if you can tell, if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would you tell yourself? Oh, geez. Um, you have no idea. Like, I think a lot of smart people think they know what's coming yeah. and in some ways they do, but in like all of the important ways, you have no fucking idea. Yeah. Like it's, you're like, Oh, it'll be easier than I think it'll be harder than I think, whatever it is. Like you just don't even, you, it's a totally different life that you can only theorize about. And it's totally different once you're in it. Like, and, and just accept that if you, if I could have known that and accepted it going in, I think yeah. it would have felt a lot different. I love that. That's really good advice too. Man, you're really good at this. You're like a pro parent already. It's great. Um, if, uh, what's the most surprising thing that you learned about yourself after becoming a parent? Um, I'm like not that different. From <laughs> um, what I does remember... that make me laugh? <laughs> I wonder. Um, uh. Again, I, you know, I kind of refer to sort of like the hubris of youth, um, but maybe it's like the hubris of of not parenthood. Um, I think, you know, when I was about to have a kid or even before I wanted to have before I was going to have a kid, uh, some of my parent friends were like, oh, you have no idea. Everything's going to change. And I was mm -hmm. like, I was like, that might be true for you. Yeah. Not true for me. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know who I am what my priorities are, what I care about, how I'm going to do it. Um, and, uh, like, I was like this, like sort of metaphorical switch that flips for parents. I was like, that's, that's for y'all and everybody's different. And 
Um, I no judgment for you guys, but that's not gonna happen to me. Yeah, totally did. I um, like I, you know, and it wasn't like instantaneous, but over the course of like, it's only been a year. Yeah, over the course of a year, which is just a blink. Um, I have changed my view on so many things. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, this like sort of long term focus I think about. Like I, you know, that's a pretty new thing for me. I, you know, maybe I'm still trying it on, but yeah, I. I was like, I thought I was going to be immune to it. I was definitely not. Yeah, that's really good. I love that, that you're not immune to it. Um, that makes me happy. And um, all right, next question. What is your all-time favorite business book? Um, I have one that I used to like a lot. Um, and this is going to, I'll be shocked if anybody has said this. Uh, there's a book called Life is Tremendous. It's a sales book. But yeah. I used to read it like, like I used to read it like every year. Um, I don't anymore. Um, but um, it, I think that really changed my life in terms. Uh, so I probably read it uh, like five or six times, maybe 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I would say that changed how I view the world. Like I think now a lot of people meet me and they think, oh, Eric's just like a default optimistic guy. He's super positive. Um, and I think that came from that book. So I, I took a like a seminar with this one guy, I don't remember the guy's name. And it was like, it was just, and he was super into uh, sales and he made us read it. And the first time I read it, I thought it was really, really cheesy, but I, I kind of envied the life of a person who could turn on positivity. Hmm. And I wasn't that person at all. I was definitely more uh, like a skeptic, a pessimist, like a, you know, the kind of person who would find the faults in everything. And I think that was the first time I started thinking about like, you know, trying to find ways to view the world in a positive light. Yeah. Um, and, you know, on, on the surface, it's a book about sales, but I think it's really a book about like trying to, trying to make your life be the one you want it to be. And yeah. um, by seeing events and circumstances in a positive light. And so that was really, really good for me. And that was, you know, obviously I don't remember the name of the book, but it was, um, I remember um, it's, it's, a, it's a thin book. It's like that thin. It's, it's like white with red text on it. And I had it and I read it. I, ha- I had a hardcover and I read it every year for like five or six years. Wow. I have never heard of it. So, yes, I will find it and read it and then we can be on the same page on it. Um, okay. Yeah. To bring us home, when you're not thinking about um, being, a, you know, this, this newfound dad – for Grayson and um, thinking about the next business uh, opportunity and, and what you're going to do. What does Eric do for fun? What's your downtime activities? Um, <laughs> well, my downtime activity right now is, is going to the gym. Um, nice. And I think that's colored by Melody. You know, Melody's a total gym rat. Um, it's, it's the thing that she needs to decompress and, um, I'm grateful for that because um, when you surround yourself with people like that, then you're going to do it too. And and there's a part of me originally that I felt guilty not working out when she was working out, so I kept doing that. Um, but ultimately, it's it's something that I feel rewarded by, and it's something now that like I also need for myself to uh, not like to feel whole, but um, it's an outlet. It it lets me have a dimension other than work or personal where I can feel continued progress. And, um, it's a thing where it's concrete. I know I can complete it. And, um, it lets me check off a box and say like, I'm fulfilling the promises to myself. Um, which is, 
I feel that with work, I can feel challenged because, you know, like you're trying to build a business, you can work 40, 60, 80 hours a week, and at the end of it, end up with nothing. Um, but the thing about going to the gym is going to the gym itself is the task. And you can feel good about doing it, even if it wasn't the best session or the whatever, and you know that um, there's a proven path to getting to the, the goal you want just by checking that box. And so it, it's really satisfying to be able to, to know that you made progress and there's no mm -hmm. chance that it can be erased in two years. Yeah, I love that. That's great, man. Thank you for sharing that. I um, You're making me feel guilty for some reason for not working out the last two months. I kind of fell off the wagon. So thank you for that. Cause that actually helps me uh, motivate me and inspire me to work out with Amy as well. But uh, this was an awesome, awesome episode, Eric. I cannot thank you enough for um, all the impact and influence you've had in my life and uh, just taking the time to uh, share your parenting and, and business experience and having this dialogue on my show, because um, the, the way that you think the way that you are and uh, just the way that you process information and, 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 um, act on it is, is really, really powerful. And I think that it's really fun to be able to share you with, uh, more people like this in this medium. And I'm excited to see your journey as a parent, because I know that's going to keep impacting you and changing you like it has me. And so, uh, I feel like our relationship will get closer now that you're a dad and, um, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. So uh, all in all, thank you again for being on the show, man. Yeah, it was super fun. Thanks for having me. Okay. We'll talk soon, brother. Here. Thank you again for listening to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please take a moment to give us a review on your podcast service. These reviews help us grow a lot more than you know.